everyone. My name is Ryan Stacy, and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and our scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at instathockey. Today I'm joined by Adam Dennis, the general manager of the North Bay Battalion. I met Adam a few years back and he stood out for his willingness to share insight from day one. With a quality background as a player in multiple leagues and a quick transition to management, Adam's career path was one that immediately sparked my interest, so I was excited when he accepted my offer to join me on the podcast. And now, as you've all been waiting for, here's Adam Dennis, the general manager of the North Bay Battalion. Today we're joined by Adam Dennis, the general manager of the North Bay Battalion. Adam, thanks for joining the podcast. My pleasure, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we were just talking a little bit before and, and now things kind of got pushed back a little bit here this summer and we were hoping to get this interview out a little bit earlier, but, um, you know, better late than never. And I'm really excited to kind of get the opportunity to talk with you and, uh, you know, going into a position such as general manager with North Bay, it's very interesting and there's a lot of insight I think you can provide. So um, I'm very excited to talk with you today. So we'll get right into it. Uh, talk about your upbringing, maybe talk about where you're from and speak to your involvement in sports throughout your childhood. Um, well, I, I grew up in Toronto and, and, you know, I think like most, most kids that are in the sport, um, everything kind of revolved around hockey from, you know, the way that I stick handled my Cheerios to uh, the mini sticks in the basement to, um, you know, uh, my, my, my late night TV uh, programming choice. It was hockey, hockey, hockey. And, and for me, it was something that, that I always said that if I could ever um, have a career in hockey, then, then I, I, I've done something right. So um, it was always a goal of mine growing up in Toronto. Um, I, I started in the Humber Valley organization with their select team. Um, I started as a player, like like most goalies do, rotating through the house league uh, um, channels, and, and you know, like everybody else, got got my turn as a goalie. And just so happened that the select coach a year up was watching when I got my turn in goalie, and um, you know, my, my dad wasn't thrilled about it, but they invited me to the tryouts. Uh, I played a season as half goalie, half player. And then the rest was kind of history. The goalie spot took over, it won out, and, um, you know, it's, it's been a pretty crazy experience ever since. And met a lot of great people and, and been to a lot of uh, awesome hockey cities uh, around the world. So really grateful for, for the opportunities that I've been given. Yeah, that's a, that's a great story. And, you know, it's kind of that moment where you really embrace hockey. And, and like you said, being the goaltender, you kind of found your niche, per se, and um, I joke that, you know, I kind of did something similar, you know, everybody gets to pass around the goalie gear and take your turn. And, uh, me personally, it definitely wasn't for me. Um, you know, that just wasn't my niche, but, uh, it's interesting to hear that you kind of had a, a success in that position and then obviously went on with it. Uh, so you went on to play hockey for a number of years in North America and in Europe, you know, OHL and, and professional hockey and, and a number of different stops, uh, walk us through your playing days, maybe starting, uh, at that entry to the OHL. And also touch on the experience later down the road of playing in a place such as Italy. Yeah, so um, coming into the, the OHL draft, it was Bantam when I was getting drafted. And uh, I think coming into the year that we, we had a pretty highly touted team. We played for the Toronto Marlies. Um, and it was, it was a stressful year. I, I really remember it being a stressful year, um, which is, I think, one of the reasons I really wanted to get involved with the, as the OHL director of player recruitment later on. But I remember the draft just putting so much pressure on our team, dividing, uh, you know, some of the parent groups and, 
just having an all-around stressful year. Um, the draft, it, it, you know, I can look at it now and say it worked out great for me. I, I would say at the time I was, I was disappointed. I, I went in the 14th round. I had expectations to go a lot higher. And, uh, man, it's perspective now to, to talk to kids that either don't get drafted, get drafted later than they expect, or, or you know, um, maybe are high and, and pretty satisfied at the time when you're 15. And I think that was a big turning point for me was probably the best thing to have to me was to get drafted later than a lot of players that I perceived myself to be better than and it, it was kind of that that point where where it was motivating it was it was a turning point where I decided to um, do a little bit more try and really uh, make take this thing seriously and I uh, was able to to hop on and, and join the, the Oakville Blades uh, as a 16 year old um, it was given a great opportunity as a young goalie um, and, and I took, made the most of it we had a, a good season it would step into the Guelph Storm um, as a 17-year-old, had some great teammates, some great coaches throughout my time in Guelph, um, and just really lucky to be a part of that. We won a championship, um, and then the next year, getting traded to London, uh, moving on to another great organization where, again, just, just first class. I, I was really spoiled in junior hockey um, from the success and just the, the teams that I was able to play for. Um, getting drafted to the NHL was, was probably as, as difficult for me as it was to get drafted in the OHL. It took me three years to ultimately do. I got picked at 19 by the Buffalo Sabres, which was, um, you know, such a great experience for me. It's something that everybody works for. And uh, again, not the end of the, the line if you don't get drafted to an NHL team, but it was certainly something that, that I had always wanted. And, and it was nice to finally get recognized, but it took winning a Memorial Cup as a 19-year-old to do so. So, um, went on and played an overage season in London, which was which was a, a blast. Um, one of the best years of, of my hockey uh, career um, on and off the ice. It was just a lot of fun to be a part of uh, before going on to the American League. And uh, I had three years in, in the Buffalo organization um, where I enjoyed it. I had quite a bit of injury trouble. Um, a couple surgeries later, I, I found myself in Italy, which uh, um, I, I'm really happy I did. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a fear all the time when you leave the American League and you go over to Europe that it's kind of the end of the line for your hockey career. But for me, it, it, it really it kind of reinvigorated me. Um, my mom was born in Italy. Uh, so when she moved over, she, she had kept her, her uh, uh, citizenship. Um, so for me, it was, it was easy to go over. I went over and was able to get my nationality, uh, played for the national team. Um, some of my best friends are, are, are from Italy currently, with the guys that I played with, and I keep in touch with them quite regularly. And uh, just to just to see hockey from a different part of the world and just see the passion that's there as well. It was it was something that just really uh, it, it springboarded my love for the game again and, and kind of made me fall back in love with it. And um, just just to play hockey in such a beautiful part of the world was was special. And then to get to represent a country, it was never something I was uh, fortunate enough to do with Team Canada. So when Team Italy came knocking, it was something that that uh, I, I was um, you know very open and very excited to to take part in. So. Happy to have that that chance, and and would you know recommend uh, um, going overseas to any any hockey player that's thinking about it. What an experience! Yeah, uh, it's very interesting to hear about all those different stops, and I, I uh, kind of looked up and made sure I knew what teams you're going through. But once I seen that you had played in Italy and kind of taking that different approach, and um, you know, I've I've talked with other people who kind of took different, uh, you know, went to different leagues, like um, you know, in Britain or or different areas in Europe. It's always interesting to hear. Um, going to a, such a unique place and then obviously getting to represent them on the national stage it's uh, it's always something interesting to hear about and it's great to hear that you had you know such a good experience uh, with that and were able to play hockey 
you know, uh, much longer because of your willingness to kind of embrace a, a different opportunity. Um, shortly after your playing days, you stayed in the game of hockey, moving into a role with the OHL as the director of player recruitment. Uh, tell us how you ended up in that position and discuss the various aspects that you dealt with while working with the OHL. Sure. Um, so basically for me, uh, like I said at the, off the top, um, I, I, it was a goal of mine to, to stay in hockey after I was done playing. So I'd, I was, I'd been working towards my university degree uh, through my time in the OHL and then, and then uh, online when I was playing overseas. So I was just nearing completion. Um, it worked out uh, that, that my second hip surgery was needed um, about five years into my European career. So uh, the timing kind of just worked. Uh, my, my wife and I were set to get married that summer. And it was really just a time in my life where I felt like I was ready for the next chapter. This opportunity with the, the league had, had come up. Um, it was also uh, the Memorial Cup was in London in 2014. So um, being an alumni, I went back there uh, <laughs> and I was there as long as I could throughout that tournament, just seeing the people, just being back in that environment uh, and brought back a lot of great memories. But, but with that, it was, it was a great opportunity to meet some of the, the, the who's who in the hockey world. Uh, I remember reintroducing myself to Dave Branch, Ted Baker, Joe Birch, um, and, and all the people that I remembered. And, and it was uh, it was something that I really think was was an important um, piece to me, getting the next job. The next uh, thing I remember was there was an internship that was posted at the league office, and I applied for it. And, and it just so worked out that the director player recruitment posting was coming up. So uh, when I applied for the internship, they, they said, well, there's a full-time position that, that – uh, we'd like you to, to apply for as well. So I did, and uh, um, pretty extensive uh, interview process, but but really uh, uh, grateful and uh, honored to have had that opportunity with the league. It was yeah. a league that, that's done so much for me, and like I said, you know, my junior experience was, was so good, especially, um, you know, with, with uh, the misunderstandings I had going into the draft, uh, I, I thought that it was a real opportunity for me to, to A, be a part of the league that's done so, so much for me, and um, then give back to the next generation of hockey players because you know there's there's more than our league out there that's for sure but but educating yourself is I think really important yeah like you said it's a it's almost like a way for you to be able to give back obviously having success at OHL and um, it kind of just goes to show that you sometimes it just takes being in the right place right time like you said um, you know talking with these people and then shortly after applying for an internship and and ultimately being there around the same time that a new position was opening and and just being able to, uh, you know, again, embrace an opportunity and kind of jump into it and, and take it for what it is. And obviously learned a lot during your time there. It's, it's great to hear that you had success and, um, you know, enjoyed your time with the, the head office there at the OHL. Um, shortly after, in, tw in 2016, uh, you would leave the OHL to join the North Bay Battalion in a dual coaching and hockey operations role. Uh, discuss how that opportunity ultimately came about and touch on the transition to your first role in hockey operations at the team level. Uh, well, you know, just just from my job with the uh, with the league office as the director of recruitment, I, I had gotten really familiar with with a lot of the teams. Um, one of the first things I did was try and get out to as many um, or organizations that I wasn't really familiar with to, to make myself a lot more familiar with. So if any questions came up, then I was very well versed and could answer them. So uh, coming up to North Bay, it was it was a place that I I, I had never played in North Bay. The first year I played in the OHL uh, was Saginaw's first year. So I never got to experience North Bay as a player. So it was a place that I really wanted to get to know a little bit more. And, and I was blown away with, with uh, you know, the facility, um, the, the games that I had been to, the, the passion in the crowd. Uh, it, it, was, it was really special. And it was kind of something that this is what junior hockey is all about. 
Um, and then when, when the opportunity uh, came up or well, we were in contact and, uh, you know, again, it was something that, that uh, after working with the league, I, I had that itch to be a little bit closer to the ice, um, a little bit closer to a team. And uh, it was something that just worked out. So I was really grateful for the opportunity and, and happy uh, to have the chance to, to now grow into this position. Yeah. And again, another opportunity where, you know, you, you look at one opportunity, you kind of move in with the league office and then it transition in, into a hockey operations role with the battalion uh, kind of just goes to show that, you know, sometimes you just need that, that one position to kind of get your foot in the door and make those connections. And obviously, like you said, you took the initiative to kind of go out to the different teams and, and speak to them a little bit. And obviously North Bay being a place that you never got the experience as a player, um, taking that extra initiative to kind of go out there and experience what North Bay is all about. Um, and obviously it worked out in your favor and, and here you are today. Uh, so last year, as Stan Butler stepped back from his position, you were appointed the new general manager of the battalion, which you currently hold today. Uh, walk us through the transition associated with the added responsibility and how was your initial experience last season in that position? Uh, well, it was, a, I mean, it's been a whirlwind. I, I got to be honest, it, there, there hasn't really been a normal season <laughs> by any stand. Um, but it's, I, I think the learning experience has been incredible. Um, I mean, I, I had obviously been in a, a, an assistant role for the last three seasons and I had learned a lot on, on the ins and outs in the league and, and some things that you can and can't do. Um, so, so I felt like I was prepared for this. Um, having said that, the, the the situation that we were in was quite unique. You know, we were we were uh, dead last at the time. Um, we felt like there was more that our team could offer. And and when you're dead last uh, in the league, you know, there's there's guys that aren't happy for sure. That's this it hasn't been good to to start. So there was a lot of things that needed to be fixed. So um, I think the first thing we did was we just kind of tied up some loose ends. We tried to to fill out any any requests that were um, made to us and, and really just just make sure that we had a, a really good solid room. I think getting Ryan in was was a really important step because he he had the opportunity that through those first couple of weeks to really set the culture. And um, I think if he were if you were to talk to him, he, he would probably say that it, it was almost a blessing in disguise not to have three, four weeks to really think and sit down. It was it was kind of get in there. Um, just just put your nose down, get to work and, and really get to know the kids. So I thought the coaching staff did a really good job of that. And, um, you know, as soon as we got through the trade deadline, which I thought that we had some success uh, there, bringing in some key pieces and adding some draft picks for our future. Um, but, but you know, after there, the, the team really just, just got together and they focused on on what seemed like an unlikely goal at the time, but they, they really wanted to get together and make the playoffs. So um, I think what we saw was some young guys that stepped into opportunities that they normally wouldn't have got. They then they stepped up, they developed. Um, whereas the last ten games of the season, we we really started to hit our stride, and and I think that it was a it was a very big positive. Um, so I I really do give the coaches a lot of credit because because what that did was it gave myself um, and our, our our scouting staff it gave us an opportunity to really get on the road. We knew that they were in good hands uh, in North Bay that they were developing. So it gave us a, a chance to really hit the pavement. Um, and, and I think that really uh, paid a lot of dividends because by the time that the pandemic hit, uh, we weren't too too worried that we were going to miss the OHL Cup. We, we felt that we had a really good body of work and, and were ready to, to do the draft. And, and I think, uh, you know, I think most teams think that they had a successful draft at this point until you can get on the ice. But um, we'd be in that group as well. We, we feel really confident in, in the amount of young players and, and the quality of young players that we brought in. Um, and, you know, we're, we're really excited to hit the ice. So 
it's been busy. It's been it's been very rewarding, and um, I, I I can say that I, I felt like I was well prepared for it. And I guess we'll find out at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a good way to put it. And obviously, um, you know, kind of being thrown in that position, like you said, the coaching staff doing the same thing, but at the same time, you were almost appointed like in December, and and having the opportunity, um, maybe not to think too much and kind of just do and and um you know had success obviously in that role and then being able to invest in scouting and all these different things it's uh it may be a whirlwind experience but at the same time it's uh, just a lot you can learn in that short amount of time and obviously um things have worked out well for you uh sticking on the topic of north bay uh, when many people look at north bay they often associate the team with the aspect of small market hockey uh discuss the additional aspects you deal with while working in a small market and how do you look to have your players embrace a small market community yeah, I, and and I, I'd say you're 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 accurate. We're we're a small market, but for me, that's junior hockey, and I think that becomes the most exciting thing about it. And I mean, I can tell you that that um, there's a lot of excitement in North Bay right now, even even with all the uncertainty going on, because they're a very well educated town on on the on the sport. You know, they they can tell when things aren't going well, and uh, you know, in fairness, they they won't support you when you're not going well. But if they see the excitement and they see that there's a plan in place, then you know, there's been a really, there's been a lot of positive buzz. And, and I think when I think about junior hockey, um, that's the, that's the market that I want to be in. I want people invested. I want, you know, when I'm walking in the mall and I scored a nice goal, there's going to be a little kid giving me a high five. Or uh, when I miss the open at the, you know, going through the drive through at Tim Hortons, they're going to give you a hard time. Cause we really, they really wanted to beat Sudbury just as bad as we did. So <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it's one of those things that it's, it's a fun town. I think we really embrace it. I've definitely myself loved being up North and, and enjoying it. I, I love the Sudbury North Bay rival. Um, I, I think it's one of the classics in junior hockey and I've been a part of you know a lot of them in the Midwest division but I think it's really cool to, to see you know the, the northern communities really uh, rally together for their teams and it's our job to give them something to share about um, but I, I, I think you know if, if I, the biggest issues that 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 we as as a franchise deal with are, are more just educating people I think uh, you know and I'll say this firsthand I, I'm from the GTA uh, I played in the the MTHL at the time. It's the GTHL, and I decided that is out of mind a lot of times. So it's our job to more just educate them, let them know that it's 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 not that far from the GTA. Um, it, it's a very uh, doable commute, and our, our game times they accommodate for the parents that want to come back and forth. And um, when you look at you know being a hockey player in general, I remember going to the American League after playing in, in the OHL, and and you know that was kind of the first uh, appreciation I got for the travel because our closest at that point was a three hour trip. And I think that that's, that's probably um, a good bulk of our, our road trips are about the three hour range. And um, you know, it's, it's a bus with satellite internet uh, has all the makings of a very comfortable trip. And um, you know, I, so, so to answer your question is a little bit long winded, but I think the biggest struggle that we have is just in educating people, because I think, you know, there's a lot of rumors that get tossed around hockey rinks and, uh, we found that whenever we can get somebody into our center, when they can make the drive, uh, when they can hear from us directly, that, that uh, you know, people are willing to listen and, and uh, they're a lot more um, understanding of, of our program once they hear it. Yeah, that's that's very uh, a key point to mention, you know, educating people and whether that's the fan base and whether it's players, there's, it's always important to kind of, um, you know, get in front of it and, and obviously having that, you know, face-to-face -face approach is always great. I know you touched on it a little bit, talking about, you know, trying to get people from the GTA to kind of 
come up and see what what's going on in a place like North Bay and that's kind of a situation many teams in junior hockey deal with um, but just maybe without being too specific go a little bit more in depth on the process of recruiting in junior hockey as a whole and some things that teams need to consider when dealing with these players at, at such a young age. Well, I, I mean, I think uh, there's there's a lot of assumptions that go into the draft year, and I, I think the league has done a great job with the director of recruitment position of trying to help educate those, and I know that they've even gone further and, and starting to educate families and parents at the Bantam level, level not just the minor midget age group. Um, but but really, you know, I, I, I don't take it personally. I just think that, you know, a lot of people don't know a lot about a lot of things. So um, I think the one common thing that we find is being North Bay, you know, some people just uh, associate us with Thunder Bay, which is a lot further than, than North Bay. So um, once they realize that we're only about three hours, it, it kind of clicks. Okay, well, this makes a lot more sense for us. And we're um, so, so really it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's starting the conversation. I think um, uh, out of sight is out of mind. So I think when you start to reach out and, and get in touch with those players that you do deem as, as quality ones that you'd like to get in and, and start to, uh, educate about your program they start to do a little bit more more homework as well so I think it is pretty um, cool to see that yeah for sure and and obviously it ties back into that aspect of educating them on on what the team is all about and um, you talk about the association the Thunder Bay and North Bay obviously two very different places and two very different situations so anytime you can obviously get somebody in and kind of like you said just educate them on, on what the team is all about and, and what your vision is um, it obviously will um, only help you down the road. Uh, so the battalion have seen an influx of younger players commit. Uh, you kind of touched on that recently, and obviously Ty Nelson being one of them with the first overall pick this uh, past draft. Uh, looking a few years down the road, briefly talk about where you hope to see the team and what is your vision for the organization moving forward. Well, I think you know if you're not if you're not trying to win a championship in, in this game, then you're you're not uh, you're not doing it right. So. Uh, we want to be a team that's in the conversation. We want to be competing for uh, titles. We want to be putting banners up in our building. Um, and that's that's something that I think that we, we can do realistically. I, I think that there's an opportunity um, with, you know, we, we've been able to, to have a, a lot of draft picks. And I, I think with the, the work that we've done over the last couple of years, we've been able to really start to acquire some players that not, not just good quality players, but players that kind of fall in line with the way that we want to play. So. Um, I, I think with all the guys that you see, there's a leadership aspect to them. You know, all kind of wore letters at their their minor hockey levels, and you know they're they're all good players. But I think what you can tell with all of them is the compete level is very high, and that that that's really important. You know, we we kind of see our our whole team as as a as a, a like-minded identity where we want the skill. Don't get me wrong, we want to play a high octane game, but we, we want to have a compete level that's second to none. And I think that's, that's something that's internal. That's something that you can see in character. And so we really put a high, high value on character kids and guys that, that, uh, you know, if, if, if there's one puck on the ice, we want that one puck. So we want guys that are going to compete and make sure that, that we're going to be on the right side of it. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, the compete level and instilling that in all of your different players, it kind of looks at your organizational culture. And uh, we've had a different couple different coaches here in the past and they always talk about obviously if, if you don't have that that general sense of, of what the team wants and that team identity and team culture you're not going to have the success uh, that you're looking for on the ice and um, obviously it's great to hear that you guys kind of have this uh, like-mindedness that you that you look for in your players and um, obviously th through the recruitment process you're looking for that aspect and and I found it as well. 
Uh, so switching I think over. In fairness to the player, sorry, sorry. No, I think in ahead. fairness to the player too, it's it's important that that you're, um, you know, finding players that that your coach is is, is has a, a lot of value in, and he looks for those kind of attributes. So um, Ryan had a big impact on on the type of player that we were looking for too, because we want players to come in that have that chance to succeed as well. Definitely, and and having a coach like you said that that has that mentality and is able to do that, obviously will um, you know correlate to a better product on the ice and having that voice in the room is, is can always help uh, with your on ice success. Mm-hmm. Uh, so switching over a little bit, looking at uh, you know listener questions here, we have a couple that I kind of wanted to bring up to you and uh, just get your opinions on. So first of all, somebody reached out and was wondering, you know, when they're looking for opportunities with different teams, there's always a process of who to contact and how to go about it. Um, maybe touching on North Bay specifically, but also maybe hockey in a general sense. Um, what is the best way to go about getting involved, whether it be on the business side or even the hockey operations side? Uh, well, for me, uh, it, it's it's a tough one because, you know, I get a lot of emails regularly and I, I think they're great. I think that, you know, it's important that you're reaching out. Um, I, I, I started trying to, to respond to all of them and, and you know, as best I could. Um, don't take it personal. I think if, if if you're not getting responses, I think, you know, I'll try and get back to some of them. If you can do anything to catch somebody's eye, that, that always helps. But I think moreover, if you could ever get a face-to-face opportunity, I think that's always a little bit more important. Um, for me, that's kind of where I, I, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, going to that Memorial Cup and um, having to muster up the, the, the confidence to go say hi to Dave Branch. And I saw him just standing there and, and you know, I had a one line. I said, hey, Dave, I don't know if you remembered me, but you suspended me twice and you handed me that Memorial Cup trophy once. So he kind of got a laugh. And, you know, I, I, I think those kind of things are what people remember. Um, if you can try and, you know, get a face-to-face, be creative. I think people appreciate that. Because uh, the one thing I'd say is, is you know, I'm not, I'm not a popular guy, but I get, get a lot of emails and, and, you know, I'll do my best to, to uh, try and respond to as many as I can. But, um, you know, I think a lot of people take it personal if they don't get a response sometimes and it's not the case. And, and uh, I, I'm a big one is that the, the young kids, they get older. So I want to try and make as many touches as I can, but the reality is that you can't, you can't hit everyone. So um, be relentless, um, you know, without, be relentless without being annoying. But uh, also don't don't get discouraged if, if you're not getting success right away. It's uh, it's a long game, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head. A lot of it is the right place at the right time. Yeah, and and obviously a number of key points there. And I think it's very important to realize that you know just because someone doesn't respond to you, don't take it personally. Um, you know, and I've obviously done the process too of reaching out to teams, and I'm sure somewhere along the way I've reached out to you, and that's kind of how we've gotten to know each other. But um, it's just a situation where sometimes there's just not enough time in the day to respond to everybody. And, and obviously doing that little bit of extra work or having that extra reference to kind of just, you know, push, push your name along or, or get something in front of someone's eyes and then having the opportunity to meet face to face. And it doesn't even have to be like a job interview or anything like that. Sometimes it could just be a quick conversation, just ask a couple questions, kind of like I'm doing here today and, and something like that. And, um, when you create those connections, like you said, young kids get older and, um, even for me, I mean, just students that reach out and you kind of help them as best you can because you never know. That student could go on to be, like you said, it could be the general manager of an NHL team and, and you kind of reverse the roles and someday you're reaching out to them. So um, just be due diligent and, uh, and like you said, don't take it personal. Um, another question someone came up with is, you know, given the interesting situation we face during this year's draft and with the abundance of U.S. talent, 
obviously present in the OHL draft this year. What was your process for weighing all of these options before selecting a strong player in Ty Nelson? Uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, I think that we didn't really, there wasn't many um, players that we didn't leave with a stone unturned. I think we, when we got down to the nitty gritty, we targeted about uh, three players that we really wanted to key in for that first pick. And, um, you know, for us, all three of them were Canadian. We had uh, some conversations with Americans and, and, you know, when their intentions were pretty clear on, on um, you know, what route that we, we moved on because we felt like the, the guys that we were targeting were all very quality and, and were all guys that we would have been very happy with at that first overall pick. So um, a lot goes into it. I mean, I think uh, every team you'll probably have a different philosophy on how they approach um, American players. Um, I, I think it's something that, that you know, we, we've had success with. You look at some guys like Cam Deneen and, and more recently a guy like Avery Winslow but it's not something that we, we, we've done a ton. So it's something that we always look at and, and kind of weigh the risk reward of it and uh, and then base it off of that. Every individual situation is different, but uh, um, no, we certainly had some targets that, that, uh, that we liked and we had a lot of interviews with American players this year. And um, I think we ended up taking the one Gus Hinkley, but uh, there, there was certainly other conversations that just didn't, you know, fit, fit well with the way that the draft went. Yeah. I think that goes to show that obviously, you know, draft process like that and having such a, a range of teams and areas to cover and, you know, having 15 rounds and, and multiple picks within, it's uh, it's important to obviously look at on every um, opportunity to talk with a player and speak with a player and see where they stand. And whether that's a team closer to the GTHL or a team on the outside, it's, uh, you know, you got to have those conversations and, and, you know, reaching out to every player and giving them a fair shot at, at what they are and, and kind of listen to their thoughts and opinions is always key. And and when you get that player who's committed and then obviously falls in line with what your scouts or management feel, it's uh, you know, it's a, it's a great experience to uh, be able to go through that process and then obviously pick that player. And, and um, you know, most teams will say that this year, uh, like you said, they've had strong drafts and they feel like they've gone through that process and got the players they want. Um, one more question from a listener. They're wondering, you know, in a year that will be impacted by COVID-19 and this season uh, still kind of up in the air exactly how it will look, uh, do you alter your initial expectations for younger players coming into the OHL, maybe as a 16-year-old or even a 17-year-old? Um, I don't think you alter. I think you temper a little bit. Um, I mean, you, you prepare for them. I think that the thing that you want for a 16-year-old is, is you know it's not going to be uh, – it, it, it won't be a smooth transition because there's so many new things. You know, it's a new school, new billet house. Um, you're now playing with older players. It's different than, than what you were doing last year. You know, you can't do the things that you did at the minor midget level. Um, it's going to take some time, just like it did at minor midget, to kind of get used to things, get used to your teammates. So I think our job is really to just make everything as smooth as, as we possibly can. And I think, you know, if there's one thing we can do, it's, it's try to communicate and, and make sure that uh, if a player has a question, we want them to feel comfortable, that they can call me, text me, call the coaches um, and, and ask. And, and we want to try and be as upfront and as honest as we possibly can. And, uh, and I think that, that, that for a hockey player that, that they're so, I mean, you, you know, the athlete, the, the, the type, they always like routines, they want to plan things. So um, they really want a sense of what's going on and they want to know, know what, what's up. So uh, I think the biggest thing that we can do is just keep them in contact, communicate with them. Our coaches have been doing a great job of every two, three weeks, you know, following up with the players and just making sure that everything's on track. Their, their, their training sessions are on ice. If they need anything, we'll support them any way that we can. But 
um, really just try and make them comfortable in any way that we can. Yeah. And, and making them comfortable obviously is very important. And, um, you know, there's a number of things that uh, happen within a run of a season. Obviously you touched on some points like new billets and, and moving to a new place. Like if a player is moving to North Bay or, or just dealing with new school situations. And sometimes the things outside of the change, sometimes it could be just be family life or, or problems on that side. And you kind of have to be a sounding board and a number of coaches and GMs have touched on that being a sounding board and being an outlet. And then, and you said it perfectly, you know, being there for a text call, email, a message kind of at any time, at any point, it's important to um, be there for the players and, and they, you know, respect that. And, and when they can kind of, uh, you know, separate their, their personal life in hockey and then just, uh, when they go to the rink, just worry about hockey and, and be in a position where, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of uh, other things playing on their mental health. It's, uh, it's very important to kind of make that approach a, a reality. And um, obviously players have a better success because of it. Uh, people are always interested in ways that general managers learn and, and at the OHL level, that's no different. Uh, what are some of your favorite resources, whether it be books, podcasts, courses you've done, et cetera, that you look to for ideas? Um, I, I, I personally get, I, I, I love talking to the guys that have been doing this for a while. Um, I, I'm, I'm lucky that Mark Hunter answers my calls and will let me pick his brain every now and then for some things like that. Um, I, I've been very fortunate to, to have a lot of great people come through my life in the hockey world. I, I do like reading too. Uh, there's a good book that I'm on right now called Emotional Agility that I think is a really good one. Um, it's, it just talks about how you approach things uh, um, from an emotional level because, you know, there's a lot of things that go on in, over the course of the year. For me, I think the most eye-opening was, was you know, you could have a, a, a lot of things planned and your day could get torpedoed for a number of different reasons. Maybe there's a suspension, an injury. Uh, you know, I would say the flu going through the dressing room is worse out there now, but um, all sorts of things can kind of railroad your day. So I think having an open mind, being able to adapt, um, you know, I think you can get a lot of power from books on things like that. So uh, most recently, I, I've, you know, uh, I've actually started to do the, the audio books a lot because as much as we're in the car, that's something that I've really gotten a, a big kick out of. Um, it's something that I find is good because it's not always doesn't have to be specifically hockey to learn some stuff to, to, to help you. I, I think it's important to enrich uh, yourself in other ways as well. Yeah, I think that's a general theme that people, uh, when I ask this question, and I, and I try to do it as often as I can, uh, they always talk about, you know, there's so many good hockey books and sports books and, uh, you know, Phil Jackson's books and Bill Belichick's books and all these different things always come up. But a lot of the times they say, you know, it's just something that makes you think about life in general or something outside of hockey or, just the pursuit of reaching that next level or anything along the lines of that. And obviously different resources like books. And then you talk about, you know, calling someone like Mark Hunter, obviously who's had a lot of experience. It's good to have those interactions. And um, a lot of people get that same sense from listening to a podcast such as this. And there's a number of them out there that uh, kind of go behind the scenes and, and you can learn a little bit from the people through their stories and through their careers. So um, I was very interested to hear some of your resources and it sounds like, um, you know, like many people, you've kind of taken the opportunity, especially with the downtime and like so maybe driving around, things like that, to get that little bit of extra learning in. Um, speaking of learning, um, you know, mentors are key to the success for many people's careers. Uh, who are some of the mentors that have helped you reach this point in hockey that you are today? I, I, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't start with my mom and dad. Um, 
I was really lucky as a kid that I, I you know, um, and maybe it's my dad, my dad was a little bit, uh, I don't think he really wanted me to be a goalie. He never said it out loud, but um, he, uh, you know, I, I just remember coming after games and I was always hard on myself as a player. And I just remember um, the only thing my dad always asked was, how did you think you played? And what color Powerade, you know? So it was, uh, it, it was, it was really nice growing up like that. I never, it, all the pressure that was on myself was always internal. So, um, my parents have given me a lot in how I want to, you know, approach my own kids and approach, you know, our, our team because I think you've got to remember that they're kids first. I, I think that's important. I think from the hockey side, I mean, Mark Hunter's been awesome for me. When I played, he was always, you know, looking for my opinion um, on the team and always picking my brain. And I got a lot out of that. I, 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 I've called him a lot uh, after I was done in the OHL when I was looking to transition and even, uh, you know, in, in my time as, as a new GM, just calling him for some advice on some stuff. I think he's been really, really beneficial. Um, and then another one is Mike Kelly. Um, Mike Kelly, the former Guelph Storm GM. We got to know each other when I was actually over in Italy. He had helped me get over there. And, uh, I mean, just uh, what a wealth of knowledge. What a good person, too. Um, he's always there. You talk about being there for your players. I think, it, you know, wherever he is, night, day, anytime, he'll pick up the phone for one of his former players. And, um, always willing to, to to lend an ear or or a hand, whatever it may be. So, um, just just those those three, I think, uh, off the top of my head, are, are really important people for me. Um, I, I should say four because my mom and dad both played a big role. I think my dad normally did the rides. I shouldn't even say that. I remember my mom too um, picking me up because she was she was a principal and picking me up after school and you know grading papers, doing her report cards in the stands and <laughs> all those things that that go into it. It takes an army. So. Um, I was very lucky to have the parents that I did and then have the great people uh, in, in my hockey career as well. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you had, you know, a lot of support and uh, many people touch on the fact that their parents played a big part. And uh, I can kind of relate to the way that you say, you know, your, your dad would say, how's the game and what kind of Gatorade? That's kind of the approach uh, my dad would take as well. And, um, you know, just being that sounding board and, and being committed. And obviously you touched on two great hockey minds in, in Kelly and, and Hunter and uh, both of them obviously having a ton of experience and an ability to share their insight with you. And, um, you know, there's, there's always so many different people that it takes to bring someone up in hockey operations or in any career, really. So it's great to hear that you've had those mentors uh, through these people and throughout your previous experiences, both as a player and as a hockey operations executive, coach, et cetera. What are some of the major lessons that you have learned? From? Uh, I think you don't sweat the small stuff. And, and I mean, you don't let problems faster either like if there's something you can solve today then fix it because um, you don't know what the problems that are going to happen tomorrow so it's better to get them out of the way because they start to pile up yeah that's that's I think that's a great key one to to think about and um, like you say you know things pile up and uh, I think in the off season is always a great opportunity to you know kind of take some time back and and maybe uh, you know take some time for yourself but uh, I'm sure you can think the same way. And, and I know this is the way I've always worked. Um, if you don't kind of poke your head in at it, whether it's every day or every couple of days, it, things start to pile up. And, and then, you know, you start having those days where things kind of get hectic. But um, I think in hockey, you kind of just have to be ready at all times to, um, you know, take a day where maybe things are down and then you, t you go to the next day and it seems like five to 10 different things have popped up. But I think that's just kind of the organized chaos that's associated with hockey. And um, I'm sure a lot of us are, are glad that it is the way it is. Um, you know, as a final question, and I kind of ask this to everybody on the podcast, if you could speak to yourself, maybe in your situation at 16, kind of uh, going through the process of the OHL draft, or even speaking to young people today, maybe um, as teenagers or entering school, 
what is one piece of advice that you would give them to help them be successful in hockey and to one day progress to hockey operations? Oh, well, it's easier said than done for sure. But you, you focus on what's in front of you. Um, I think, you know, young kids, they, they, they've got a number where they, they've got a round where they have to go in mind. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, sometimes you make the calls for the drafts from rounds one to five, and they're way more disappointed than the ones that are drafted rounds 10 to 15. Um, so don't let your expectations get in the way. Um, Cause you know, it doesn't mean that your expectations are wrong. Um, but it's more important to just put your nose down and, and, and get better every day. Uh, because as soon as you're a finished product, then that's when I think that you got to start looking at a different career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, a, a great way to look at it and uh, a good way to approach, you know, hockey or, or whatever you uh, may be interested in and trying to pursue as a career. Adam, I just want to thank you for taking some time to join me on the podcast again. And, um, you know, we're all in a situation where we're kind of playing a waiting game, but Hopefully in the near future, you'll be able to get back to your process of working in North Bay. And I wish you all the best moving forward. Absolutely. It was a pleasure, Ryan. All right. Take care, Adam. I'd like to thank Adam for joining me on the podcast and discussing his career as both a player and as a manager. Throughout the conversation, he presented a lot of great insight and was very open to sharing perspectives, especially when answering listener questions. So again, I'd like to thank him for coming on and sharing that insight. If you would like to get in touch with Adam to discuss his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly or contact Hockey Minds Podcast at Outlook.com and I can look to make that connection for you. On the upcoming episode of the Hockey Minds Podcast, I'll be speaking with TJ Manisterski. For those who have worked with TJ, You'll know he is an energetic, forward-thinking coach who utilizes a lot of different perspectives, so be sure to listen in on that episode later this week. As a final note, thank you for listening. Thank you for your continued support. Stay safe, and all the best.